Hey everyone, good morning, good morning. It's Pin Up Talk with host Diana Franz. So it is two o'clock in the morning. I'm really debating on going back to sleep after I do the, this podcast. So first and foremost, I want to say thank you always to my supporters, fans, followers, followers, subscribers, and everyone that has shown support for my podcast and everything I do on social media. So it is cold. It's probably we're a couple days away from December. So I'm very, very excited about the holidays and the ending of 2018. I'm really, really optimistic and just excited about 2019. So I want to talk about artist development classes. This is something that I came up with and I began having as a requirement for the models that I manage. So my idea came and I've, 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 I've definitely posted and I've blogged about this and I don't believe I've covered it in a podcast episode. Um, so I originally came up with my idea for artist development classes because of a documentary, one of my favorite documentaries that I watched on Motown and specifically Barry Gordy and what he did with all of his artists that became megastars and stars all over the world, very successful and he built his brand and his franchise and one of the things that was the most interesting and definitely made me want to watch that documentary more than one time was the artist development classes. So let me give you a little brief history um, about that part of the documentary. There were artists all over uh, Motown, all over Detroit, and the connecting cities and, and states that really wanted to be a part of Motown when it first began. These were not um, artists that were polished and groomed and, you know, knew anything about etiquette. They didn't know anything about stage performance, about how to hold a microphone properly, how to Um, stand properly, how to walk properly, how to be in a room with other artists and conduct themselves um, as the best in the world. And I remember um, Mary Wells of the Supremes basically talking us through the process. And um, I remember her saying that people could always tell the difference between other artists from different labels versus the artists from Motown because of the way they were polished, because of the way they held themselves in public and the way they stood, the way they talked, the way they walked, their mannerisms. And I do believe that that is a fact. They were very much put through I would say kind of a rigorous grooming process and you have to keep in mind that these were artists that were still in high school 
they were young, a lot of these people. people a lot of them were fresh out of high school. Um, a lot of them stopped going to high school to pursue their career, and they had family at home to take care of. They, um, maybe a lot of them were not old enough to have mouths to feed, even though I'm sure some of them were, but the younger ones were definite, re, definitely responsible for bringing an income to their families. So, um, and again, these were young young artists and the ones like the Supremes and Diana Ross, they came from the ghetto. They came from the projects and they were just adolescent. And again, they were not groomed. All of these people were extremely talented, but it wasn't like, okay, I'm talented and I have everything that I need to be successful. And so now I'm going to pay you or sign a contract with you and you're automatically going to work with me. It wasn't that simple. You had to actually be super talented and Barry Gordy had to see so much potential in you to actually sign you to an agreement. And he brought in the best people in their field. He had, um, you know, people on the music side that were the best at what they do and he brought in choreographer Charles Atkins and people like um, the lady her name slips my mind but she became like their etiquette teacher and all of the artists all of them men and women boys and girls um, people who were had no experience in the music industry um, and people who had some, but they were all required to take artist development classes. And I remember the stories that Mary Wells told and they were just so enlightening and so interesting. And I was keeping in mind that she was so young, you know, they were so young while they were going through all of this. They were so impressionable and just wet behind the ears and had all of these expectations and just did not realize, you know, all of the grooming and the development that they needed to do to actually become like their favorite stars, like the people who were with Motown that were already established. And the stories that she told about the etiquette teacher, how, um, she told them, she said, you know, what, I'm going to teach you, you know, how to walk like a lady, talk like a lady, act like a lady. And she said, one day you're even going to perform in front of kings and queens. And Mary Wells said she remembers snickering and laughing and the other girls laughing and rolling their eyes and giggling like, yeah, right, you know, but that's exactly what happened. Um, specifically for Diana Ross and the Supremes, they definitely got to meet the queen and royalty and presidents and just all kinds of people all over the world. And it was just something that they never could envision for themselves. And I remember the etiquette teacher saying that, you know, specifically she was talking about Diana Ross and she said she would ask her, why are you moving your neck like like that? And she said, 
something like Diana Ross said, well, it's because, you know, I'm, I'm having a good time and I'm feeling it and I'm, you know, I'm moving my neck. And she's like, no, you don't move your neck like that. And they showed some footage of Diana Ross and the Supremes when they first began at one of their first performances versus after they took several artist development classes, definitely developed skills and improved on them and finally got a record deal and began to do a performances, they showed the difference. And it was a visible difference. I mean, just the way that they walked on the stage and the way that they held the microphones, their dance moves, and just the way that their whole dem demeanor was from the time that they walked on that stage till the time that they walked off. And that includes their mannerisms while they were singing. And the etiquette teacher taught them how to get in and out of a car properly. I was looking at, um, I don't think it was a documentary, but it was some sort of video on YouTube that I came across and it was saying all of the royal secrets that you know we don't know about and it was talking about Princess Diana and how there were certain things that she did and people didn't we didn't really know why she was doing them and I know that you know princesses and royalty and duchesses um, have to take you know classes that are like etiquette style classes and one of the things they talked about was how she got in and out of a car, specifically um, how she got out of a car and how she would hold her handbag, her purse um, over her cleavage as she would exit a car so it wouldn't look unflattering and so the paparazzi would not be getting any shots of her cleavage because that's just not the classy thing to do when you're a princess, apparently. So, um, back to the Motown, I was thinking about that and the lady and how she was trying to groom these young ladies. And she said, you know, they were chewing the gum and carrying on and she just wasn't having any of that. And it just made me think, you know, I, so many people I think should take artist development classes. And then I started thinking about the model that I've been working with for a year now who is a professional fashion model and she's signed with an agent. She's traveling, doing all of these things and our conversations are so interesting because she just takes me back to the days that, you know, I was doing modern modeling and um, dealing with agencies and managers and casting agencies and just how many restrictions are put on someone who is an artist as well as the things that they're required to do from these agencies so they can even be signed, so they can even be qualified to work with top agencies. And, you know, of course, all of the opportunities that come along with it. But um, you know, I was just thinking of everything as a whole and I started thinking artist development classes are really important. And I started thinking it was also another way to incorporate wardrobe testing. I totally believe that 
Um, I would say unless you're an expert, but then even then things can go wrong. I mean, if you order things from different companies, you're trying a new company, it's just always important to never assume that you're going to be able to fit something. Um, maybe you haven't noticed that you've gained a measly five pounds. Maybe you didn't notice that you lost five to seven pounds and that's usually going to make a difference in size and your clothing and your dress and the waist area um, most of the time. And you assume something is going to fit you and because it used to and it doesn't anymore. Or you assume that you can fit a medium because that's what size you wear, but you didn't read the size chart and didn't realize that with that particular manufacturer or that particular company, it clearly stated that if you are a medium normally, that you will need to purchase an extra large um, or a large from that manufacturer, from that seller. And so, you know, you assumed it was going to fit and it's time to shoot and you're getting into wardrobe and it doesn't fit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Artist development classes are excellent for that, for the wardrobe testing part of them, because it really is essential to know ahead of time if your wardrobe is going to fit. Now, that's something that I obviously was not offering and not too much of a concern as far as with my clients that are brand new. I don't expect for them to drive out here um, to take an artist development class. They aren't even an artist yet if they're just beginning and pin up. And I kind of just really need for them to communicate their correct sizes to me. So when they show up, we don't have to waste time trying to find things because they cannot fit what I took out for them because they gave me the wrong size. So um, I don't expect that from clients that are fly by night, you know, once in a while clients. But when I have someone that I'm working with on a regular basis, specifically models in the past and the future that I've managed and I'm going to be managing, I'm representing them, they're representing me. It's first of all, it's essential to know your sizes, but, but artist development classes are a requirement. They have been a requirement. Um, it was one of the biggest reasons why I stopped working with a model that was doing lots of shoots. And I think for her, she financially could not afford it at some point. And that has definitely rung true, rang true, however you want to say it, because I haven't really seen her do anything and it's been like a year so but on my end that was one of the things that turned me off because I've even offered to do artist development classes online via Facebook chat or if we have to do email then we can do email I really feel that they're best in person and from now on they're definitely a requirement that has to be done in person I, there's always the exception to the rule in some cases. I wouldn't say always, but in some cases. And I do have one model that I've been working with, and she was one of the first models that I ever managed. She was one of the first models that I ever became her personal pinup stylist. And I moved, we moved, so I don't get a chance to see her as often. So our artist development classes and meetings are definitely online 
And she's advanced to the point to where her artist development classes, what we talk about and what we would do would be different than with someone else because she's been involved in pinup for five solid years. And we've been working together the entire time. So that would be different than someone who is pretty much brand new to pinup um, and wants a manager, wants to learn and develop skills. And to me, it's common sense. You know, um, there's so many things that involve being an artist and having representation and seeking out representation or being offered representation and taking it. It's, like I said, completely different than a client that just comes to me here and there to do a photo shoot or to get their hair done. Um, Artist development classes would obviously be for an artist, someone who has plans to be in the industry for more than a hobby, for more than part-time, at least at first. Their initial um, outlook is that this is something that they're going to be doing for a while, which is why they have goals and they plan on investing. But when I think of just clear logic and common sense, artist development classes, that's, that's three things. So artist, meaning you, meaning the talent, um, development, meaning you're going to develop skills. There are skills that you actually have to develop as an artist. And the reasons why would be to succeed at your goals. It has to be a part of your plan to develop your skills, not just do photo shoots and get published in magazines, not just get styled, do photo shoots and post images online. Artist development classes would not be for someone and manager would not be for someone who only has the interest in posting online or getting pictures and sure it would be great to be published, but it's not really a goal. Management um, services are for people who have things to manage, people who have goals. And being an artist, development, and then class. Class meaning to learn. Otherwise, it would be called an artist meeting. Minus the development, minus the class. Class means learning. Just like academy and school and course means learning, means gaining knowledge, means training. It means developing skills. So artists, I just wanted to make all of this clear um, that artist development classes are not only and solely to sit and talk about what looks we're going to be doing for your next couple of shoots, what dates and location we're going to be doing your next couple of shoots. Of course, those are very important. They're very important, just like um, wardrobe testing, which is why I incorporated that into the artist development classes that I'm offering. And for the record, excuse me, um, these are classes that I don't offer to anyone. They're exclusively for the people that I manage, for the models that I've managed, and they're free. And the requirement is once a month. And I would like for it, love for it to be in an hour-long um class. And like I said, if it wasn't a class to learn, then we would be calling it a meeting. And if it wasn't to develop your skills, then we would drop the development word. It would just be artist 
meeting or meeting. You know, if you're not an artist, don't consider yourself one, aren't trying to be, don't have any goals within the industry, don't plan on being in the industry um, long term, and don't have a solid plan that entails so many steps and a process that you have to go through to actually succeed at each and every goal, then, you know, you don't, you obviously you don't, you're not an artist. You don't need artist development classes. You don't need a manager. You don't need representation. And I remember this, this reminds me of a photographer that I worked with once. And he was saying that, you know, young models, aspiring models that are not professionals yet, um, want to just jump head first and they're not interested in building skills. They're not interested in training. They're not interested in working with different people to build their portfolio. And I started to think about that, like, that's absolutely true. There are like so many of the amateur and aspiring pinups that I've worked with over the years not all, but so many of them were not at all concerned about developing their skills as an artist. And for some that sort of seemed like they were getting it, did not want to or could not conceive improving on the skills that they already developed. They would rather take the emotional road and have a pity party for anybody who's willing to attend and say, well, I haven't developed. No, actually you have developed skills, but you need to improve on them. And I might add, there are other skills to be learned and there's more knowledge to be learned. It's just like when people say that they've researched and then yet I don't see it. You know, it's like, I don't really think you can fool a professional when it comes to things like that. When people say these, they've researched and they have, I usually can tell. When people have developed skills that they did not have in the beginning, it's going to show. It's going to show because, again, these are not people that I've worked with once in a while or this is my first time only. These are people, these are models who I've worked with on a regular basis and often enough where I can definitely see a visible difference when someone has researched and trained. And so extending what he said, I totally agree. You know, they, so many of the amateur models they, that have come to me, they don't have any desire to learn, develop knowledge, develop skills by training and by researching. They just don't want to do it. They want to show up and pay to get things done and leave. That's it. They don't want to do wardrobe testing ahead of time. They don't want to take free classes that are even, you know, offered to them, complimentary classes. They don't want to do, like I said, do their wardrobe testing ahead of time, drive out here or take wardrobe that they'll be wearing on their next shoot so they can purposely go try it on at home. There are models who have outfits that they assume that they're going to wear, um, assuming that they're going to fit them, and then they don't fit them, and they didn't even bother to try them on before they showed up here for their photo shoot. So, you know, like I said, whenever I say you're not fooling anybody, a true professional that specializes 
within a certain field and industry is going to be able, especially one that's a professional in a couple of, a couple of different ways, they're going to be able to tell. So it, you might as well just say, well, you know, I don't want to do the research. I don't want to train at home on my off time. I don't want to drive out there for a free class that's going to help me develop my skills. I don't want to book opposing class because I do offer those as well. And for the, ma the models that I've been managing, I think I was telling them $10 a class, one hour long. For models that I don't, ma uh, I don't manage, I was offering posing classes or classes on anything within pinup that you want to learn, including the business side, for $20 a class. That means we will sit or stand, whatever we have to do, side by side and do the research that we need. Um, I will pose with you. I'll show you poses that you can mimic them and we'll go back and forth and back and forth. I remember one gal in particular said she really wanted to be more confident and she felt like she needed to learn more about facial expressions and poses, but not during a photo shoot. So she booked a $20 one hour class. She came over. Um, I was just casual and um, we both put on some high heels. I set up a stool in my little studio area and we went over um, poses that I had in, in a book, a posing book that I bought. And again, there's, there are so many periodicals that you can buy and videos as well. And then, of course, there's YouTube. All day long, you can learn pretty much anything that you want. So she took the initiative to come and do the class. And we sat there and we did, I think, like about 17 or 18 different poses. There were no images. There, were, there was no styling involved. There was no wardrobe fitting and wardrobe testing. And she asked me lots of questions. She picked my brain. I answered her. We, like I said, side by side, did poses. I would do a pose and she would do it and so on and so forth. So it was actually, I believe, over an hour long class. It was so long ago. You guys, I can't even really remember exactly how long the class was. But I remember her next photo shoot was probably like a week or so later. And definitely I saw improvement. And see, this is the thing. I never went. I don't believe that I went to her saying that you need improvement. I know that this woman, um, married with children, has um, a really nice career. And from what I knew based upon the first or second shoot that we ever did, she did not have any intentions on being a professional pinup model. But she wanted to be the best at what she was doing. She wanted to develop skills. She wanted to develop knowledge and she wanted to be able to apply those things in the form of skills that she learned so she could be more confident and have a variety of facial expressions and poses during her shoot. So again, this was not someone I could foresee working with for a long time. I didn't see her as somebody who just has all of these goals and things like that. I didn't get that much time to really get to know her. Um, before she decided she wanted to take a class. And 110%, I'm telling the truth, she totally improved from the last shoot 
And in between, she took that class to the very next shoot. She totally improved. And again, this was something that she took the initiative to do. But see, this is one person. I remember another gal taking an artist development class and had a slew of questions to ask me and sat there with her pen and paper asking me questions and writing down information. And we actually sat in front of a computer and looked at some examples as well. So, you know, I, I began my academy with doing three-hour pen-up workshops. And again, workshop, you are thinking of a process that's going to take place. And workshop can also very much mean learning. You're learning how to do something by a professional. And there were no, there was no publication involved. At some point, I began booking photographers. This is before I photographed any of my clients. So there would be step one, which would be hair and makeup. And we would be learning about these things. They wouldn't just be sitting there while I was doing it. They were actually wanted to learn. I had gals take, do workshops and say they specifically wanted to learn how to do a certain hairstyle. So we sat in front of a mirror um, and they watched me as I did the hairstyle that they requested. And then we would do the wardrobe thing where I would take them through the process because this is something that they've never done. And then at the very end, like 30 minutes left, an hour left of the three hour workshop, a photographer would show up take some pictures and so they got the experience of working with a photographer and the process of working with the professional photographer. They would get a couple of images and we would call it a day. I eventually started incorporating publication but the workshops were still based upon learning, developing skills, asking questions learning how to do a certain hairstyle, learning how to walk um, down a catwalk if you want to do a pinup fashion show, et cetera, et cetera. So somewhere along the way, everything just turned completely different. And I started having different clients. You know, my, my target audience, so to speak, changed because once I started offering publication, then here we are with the girls who want to be models, who want to be pennant models, and they want everything right away. And for those that pay, I and already know that they're going to have to pay to work with professionals, I have respect for you. I think that that's wonderful because you're willing to invest. And I think it must be wonderful to you, for you, because you are able financially to invest. And you have that time. But the bottom line is you still have to learn you still have to develop skills if pinup is something that you want to do on a regular basis because you know knowledge is key and the skills are something that no one can develop but you you can pay people to do your hair you can pay people to do your makeup you can pay someone to photograph you you can pay someone to submit your pictures for a magazine you can buy the magazine when it comes out developing skills is something and gaining knowledge that you actually have to do on your own. I cannot develop skills for you. I cannot take the skills that you've slightly developed 
and have, and have obtained and improve on them for you. I cannot do that. And I started realizing that a couple of months ago. There really is a difference between developing skills and then actually improving on those exact skills. You develop skills. That doesn't mean that there aren't other skills to develop. Believe me. And when you start to develop a skill here, a skill there, you have to keep working at it. That's why it's called sharpening because you, it's there, but you have to keep at it and you have to develop those skills by improving on them once they've been developed. So yes, there are skills that you have to develop the, the initial ones, but there's always going to be more. There's a knowledge that you can gain right away, there's always going to be more. Once you look at yourself as an artist and as the talent and you think of the time and the money and the dedication, you want to improve on things. So you've developed a skill. You're still kind of shaky about it. You're not 100%. You have to improve on it. Bottom line, every skill that you develop has a level that can only be reached by improving on that skill. So you've obtained the skill and you've worked on that skill. You have to continue to work on it to improve on it. That's the bottom line. So, you know, you, I don't think I've ever met anyone that has done several photo shoots throughout the year, pinup shoots, and worked with me specifically that did not um, develop any skills. But there are definitely so many girls that I worked with that never improved on those skills. They had no desire. You know, uh, you know, one model, it was like, okay, we talk all the time when you're not here. You're here often, a couple of times a month. And it's like, you mean to tell me that you forget all of the things that I taught you? Um, when we were conversing online, all of the examples that I've shown you before the next shoot and all of the things that I taught you one-on-one with nobody else around, no other distractions at each and every shoot that you've done. And there's been several, you don't recall any of that. You didn't retain any of that. Well, see, to me, that's somebody who definitely needs to do some training. Definitely. Um, if you have goals, that's the thing. If you don't have any goals, then boom, case closed. There's no problem, problem solved. And the end of this podcast episode, you know, but once you have goals, you have to gain knowledge. You have to develop skills. You have to improve on those skills and you have to be able to retain the information that is given to you over and over and over again. I mean, I can't do that for you. However, you have to learn whether it's listening to a voice, whether it's reading something, whether it's by being shown examples face to face right in front of you. You know, I I personally feel that after a dozen photo shoots, pinup shoots, specifically pinup and working with me one on one, if I incorporate a professional photographer who probably doesn't know that much about pinup, but definitely produces high quality images, I should be able to set up a shoot. And if for some reason I can attend, everything should be able, 
I should know in the back of my mind confidently that what you've learned and the skills and the knowledge you develop that you've actually retained them and that you're going to use them even if for some reason I can't show up at that shoot. I should be able to set up a shoot with a professional photographer and if I have other models that I have to go style or if I have to leave the room to um, engage in a conversation on my cell phone or, you know, I need a break and I'm going to go, it's a hotel shoot, I go down to the casino maybe to, uh, you know, to get a drink or to walk around, whatever. I should be able to leave the room and everything still goes smoothly, period. You know, there, I just... (sighs) When leaving the room goes wrong, there was a gal who I never thought, I never felt she really needed much improvement as far as her facial expressions and poses. She was very confident um, for, you know, whatever reasons. And I'm assuming that one of them is because she did have some previous experience years and years and years ago in pinup. But she lives kind of a pinup lifestyle She's definitely down with the style, the clothing, and like I said, for whatever reason, there's lots of reasons. I'm sure she was a confident person, and it showed. And she actually was printing out pinup images so she could use them as reference, as a visual guide and reference during her photo shoots. And I remember being tickled and getting a kick out of it. Every time she'd show up with these prints, you know, these um, pictures that she would just, you know, copy off. And it was like, wow, this is really cool. It reminded me of when I just began in pinup and I ordered this little mini book that you could actually put in your purse. And I took it with me to my first, maybe my second um, professional pinup shoot as a reference just so I could glance back at it just so I could look at it on the drive to the photo shoot or you know while the photographer was taking a break and it really helped and that's what it reminded me of I thought wow this is somebody who is taking the initiative to do this they know what type of shoot that we're going to do we've been planning this so they copied off the type of pictures um, that have the facial expressions and poses for what we're going to be doing at this particular shoot but lo and behold you know and I'm thinking okay she she's someone that I'm managing that's why I was pretty concerned about everything that she was doing related to pinup and I remember setting up a photo shoot with her I believe in two other girls two or three but there was definitely two plus me than her um with the traveling photographer And, you know, everybody had the same level of quality as far as my styling. Everybody, or at least the majority of the girls, um, did borrow wardrobe from me. And, you know, so everything was the same, the same setup. The only thing that was different was each and every individual model. And I remember getting the images from the photographer and thinking two things. Number one that this model in particular needs improvement on her makeup. That was the first thing that came to my mind, that her face was extremely shiny. There seemed to be no contouring involved. 
and you know the lines circles and heavy bags under her eyes the only way that those things can be masked masked is if you tilt your head up that really helps with lighting um, your pose and if you actually do your makeup properly there's so much that contouring can do and also just you know a shiny face obviously powder is something that you need I'm not a makeup artist I don't offer makeup services if someone says wow my face is kind of shiny do you happen to have any powder I'm going to go surf for it reach for it and help them out but that's something that they're responsible for if you're responsible for doing your own makeup then you're responsible for your own touch-ups before we do the photo shoot so I remember reaching out to her and being as honest as I could and just just being just honest and saying you know you really need to develop some new skills when it comes to your makeup I think that you need some improvement and I think that it would save on the amount of editing time because pretty much anything can be edited if that's what you do if that's what that photographer does if that's something that's going to be offered there are lots of times photographers do not do editing believe it or not or they're not efficient or consistent with their editing and so everything that you can do to prepare yourself is going to help for the better because you know you if you've never worked with them you don't know what type of editing that they're going to do so eliminate as many flaws visible flaws as you can and don't just assume that every single photographer is going to take away every single thing that you don't like in your images so the second thing I remember I'm going through the pictures and mind you this is a nice hotel suite pretty upscale looking not not necessarily casual but more on the upscale side and the wardrobe that this particular model client decided to wear was vintage lingerie I had like about 15 pieces of lingerie nightgowns and baby dolls from 19, the late 50s, 60s, and 70s. Everybody chose what they wanted to wear. She chose something that I feel like flattered her, um, her body frame and shape. She chose something where the color, I feel like, was definitely a good color for her, and it flattered her. I'm going through the pictures and obviously I was out of the room styling another model at the time when I don't know if I would have said don't do this but I because what's done is done the picture was taken I probably would have said um, well I probably just would not have been as shocked <laughs> is the thing and coincidentally we attended Viva and met up and the same pose that I saw her doing on a classic car at a rockabilly event, wearing rockabilly style clothing, a rockabilly style hairdo that I did. And she's on, laying on her back with her, her butt, say, towards the window of the car, towards the back of the car, and her head towards the front, looking back looking up and back at the photographer legs spread wide open now when I say rockabilly outfit she was in um, leggings 
and platforms um, and a belt and a, a off the shoulder top. So that's actually a pose that I could see somebody in rockabilly doing. You're on the top of a, the hood of a sweet classic car. You know, you kind of have that the, the, the grunge rockabilly bad girl look going on. It's not cheesecake pinup. And so, and you, and you're wearing pants. So, you know what, go for it. I think that that was an appropriate pose for the era, for the style, for the event, um, and for everything, the props, her clothing, everything. But that pose, I was absolutely shocked to see at a boudoir shoot. Now, mind you, once again, this was an upscale suite. This was... Um, a vintage boudoir style theme. This was, it wasn't cheesecake, it wasn't rockabilly. And her wardrobe, it killed me to see her laying on her back, looking up at the photographer with her legs spread wide open, not showing her panties or anything. I think she had her, her hand or something between her legs. But I mean wide open. I don't mean kind of like, you know, to the side or up in the air, the, the famous cheesecake pose that, you know, we've all done with our legs in the air and our legs closed. Her legs were wide, completely wide open, wearing a vintage baby doll nightgown that's like 50 years old. It did not go whatsoever. I was not prepared to see that because I wasn't even in the room. And that's what I mean about developing skills and knowledge. Knowledge would have dictated to her, that's not the correct pose to be doing while you're wearing a beautiful, just delicate, intimate garment that is, again, a, a delicate, upscale, fancy style garment, you know, at a photo shoot in an upscale suite. It just did not go. And then I looked at a lot of her other facial expressions and poses, and it, it just, I, I expected more from her based upon all the photo shoots that she had already done with me, based upon her being the one that would always print out pictures, based upon her confidence level. I just felt like, you know, all of that put together, there was no way that she would do a pose like that. Um, it just didn't even make any sense to me. And again, I felt like she needed improvement. And I remember when we spoke about it and it was like, here come the excuses. And, and everybody has reasons why we do something. But she was saying she was rushed, rushed to get to the shoot. Okay, well, how many shoots have you done with me specifically where you were rushed? A lot of them. I mean, really think about that. It's affecting and it has began to visibly affect your shoots because you're saying that your makeup could have been better, but you didn't have that much time. You were rushing. Well, there you go. You know, that's one thing that she needs to improve on scheduling her time. So she's not rushing scheduling her time. So she has enough time to do her makeup properly. And also I want to add quickly before I end this podcast episode, when you're rushing your frame of mind, your heart rate, everything is, is, is completely different than if you had ample time or extra time. So it becomes a decision that you have to make. Are you willing to show up at photo shoots late 
putting everyone else behind? Are you willing to show up on time or basically on time, but you were rushing the whole entire time to get there? I mean, are you going to be able to, boom, like a light switch, turn that part of your brain off, turn those mental um, thoughts, the emotions, the frame of mind that you're in, are you going to be able to turn that off, boom, get into the frame of mind of a professional, remember the skills that you've developed, remember the knowledge that you've gained, remember the experience that you've gained, are you going to be able to focus after you've been rushing and who knows what type of a day you had until you got there. I don't suggest doing that. I think that you need some time to adjust to being in a photo shoot environment with other models, with a professional photographer. You need to adjust the, to the fact that your hair is going to be completely different than you had it all day. Your wardrobe is going to be completely different than you've worn all day the setting in which we're shooting in, the location, whether it be a public park with people walking by or whether it be a one-on-one -on -one session with a photographer at a hotel. You have to be able to switch from whatever mode or mood that you are in and channel your energy, channel your focus and your emotions and be able to concentrate on what you're doing. If you're saying that your makeup lacked in skills and quality because you were rushing, if I feel like you weren't in the right frame of mind when you were doing the poses and things you were doing, and that could have been an effect of rushing, um, don't. that's something that you need to not be doing anymore. You need to make sure that you are not rushing. When someone shows up and they're like, Oh, sorry, I'm late. I was rushing. I'm like, okay, good thing that we're about to go through the process of doing the hair, getting the clothes on. Because if you had to show up camera ready and then right away get into wardrobe and right away start shooting, I just wonder how many people would actually mentally and emotionally be able to adjust so quickly if they did not have that downtime, that span of time to actually get in a work mode, get in the modeling mode, get in the frame of mind and start to focus and concentrate on what we are about to do. Not what you were doing all day, not what you just did before you got here, not the phone call that you just got off of while you were getting your hair done, um, not what you have to do later, but what you are doing right now. And that includes turning off um, all kinds of commotion and activity that's around you. Maybe we're at a park and there's lots of people. Why are you going to rush if you're not going to be comfortable? Or why would you do a photo shoot around other people if you're not going to be comfortable? It's going to show. When you're rushing, it's going to show. It's very common that most people cannot just, boom, turn it off. There are lots of people, namely professionals, who actually do have that ability because um, modeling has so much to do with acting and, and I remember hearing somebody on a TV show saying acting is all based upon a lie which is true because you're, you're perpetrating a fraud, right? I mean, you're not really a cashier in real life, right? You didn't really, you know, gain stardom overnight like you did in the role that you're playing on TV 
you know, you don't really eat that cereal, really, do you? Um, you know, so it's all about acting and channeling a character in a certain person. And I would say after you've done a dozen shoots or more, there are certain things that you should already realize about yourself, that you don't work well when there's other models around, that you don't feel comfortable posing in a public place when there's people walking by or looking, that you get easily distracted by other people being around. Um, there, there are just so many things that you have to learn. And coming full circle on this topic and ending this podcast episode, that's what artist development classes are for the professionals or professional that you're working with for your manager or agent to say, this is what you need improvement on, not someone else. This is the skills that I would like to see you develop. And why do you need to develop those skills? Why do you need to improve on skills that you've already developed? Because of your goals, because you're an artist and you're competing with other people, because you're going to get your images back and you're not going to like things about them, things that you had direct control over. You know, getting back images and saying, oh God, I hated my facial expressions. Okay, well, what can you learn from this? How, you know, why were you doing those facial expressions in the first place? I mean, what prompted you to do that? Was it the environment? Was the, was it that, you know, you got drunk, not tipsy, but drunk before the photo shoot or during? Was it because, you know, there were other people around and you, you just felt odd and so you did odd facial expressions and poses? Um, is it because you lack confidence and you need more? Is it because you lack knowledge and you haven't done any research? You just assumed that you would be told what to do and everybody would do everything for you. And then, like I said, lo and behold, I walk out of the room. Then I end up getting pictures later. Like, when did this happen? <laughs> what, what's this about? You know, I'm never going to sit there and tell somebody, ooh, stop doing that during a, a photo shoot because that's going to make them feel uncomfortable. And if they're not confident to begin with, that's, that's not going to help at that moment in time. It's something that's going to be saved for later. But if you're looking at your images and you're not liking what you see, who's responsible? If you love your styling, if you loved your clothes, if you, you know, the images are, are, are fabulous, you gained publication, gained a full feature, maybe even gained a cover. I mean, obviously other people like what they see and obviously other people were involved, but take responsibility for your part. If you're rushing, it's going to show. If you haven't done the research, it's going to show. If you haven't developed any skills at all, it's going to show. If you've developed skills and knowledge, but you seem to forget it all, it's going to show. You know, if you're uncomfortable in certain clothing, it's going to show. If you're uncomfortable having an audience while you're posing, it's going to show. If you're somebody who drinks and maybe you need a drink and you didn't have one, <laughs> you know, maybe that's something that would have helped you um, ease up a little bit. If you're somebody who loves to drink and you took it upon yourself to drink more than just a couple. And so now the drunk you is out. And that's what is going to show in every single shot. Then 
don't do that again. Make a mental note, write it down, <laughs> take a picture, whatever. Um, and make sure you're not doing those things anymore. I specifically went over a certain facial expression. I've already mentioned this. Um, but as a quick example to end this podcast with a model and told her, I don't think that that's pinup. She ended up getting images back where she did not like her facial expressions. This was one of them, the same one that we talked about. So lo and behold, the next photo shoot, I believe two photo shoots after that, here comes that same facial expression. But you didn't like the pictures, but yet you're still doing this. Why? Why are you doing this? I can't stop someone from doing something, especially if it's something that you don't like. Why aren't you remembering this at your future photo shoots? It was like one model that I had that no matter what, it could have been the most innocent, cheesecakey, classic pinup. And she was doing basically the same. It's, it's ironic. I just remembered this the same type of facial expression, which I consider an adult business porno type facial expression. It's beyond provocative, in my opinion. And you won't see it in pinup often at all. And if you do, it'll probably be more like modern day pinup rockabilly. But even then, it's suggesting so much sex <laughs> that you know you you literally could be dressed and not showing a stitch of skin but on your face and everybody knows what that facial expression is about and i remember this one model that she was confident she she was skilled she had a variety but she would always go back to that and it didn't matter what we were doing where we were at who was around what she was wearing what the era was what the style was she was constantly doing that expression. And to me, if that expression fit anywhere, it would be in boudoir only. And even then, I don't think it's for pinup. But this was her. This was the real her. Just like I had another model who insisted on booking cheesecake pinup shoots, but hates her smile and hates to smile on camera. Now, if we're talking, oh, we'll laugh and talk and she'll, no problem. But she was uncomfortable smiling, but yet cheesecake pinup is all about big, bubbly, silly facial expressions at times, like a cross between I Love Lucy meets Betty Page meets Betty Boop. You know, the sophistication, the classiness, but obviously even with the hint of innocence, there's some sexiness because we are adults, we are you know, wearing a dress, but we're showing the thigh highs. We're wearing an outfit, but we're showing the garter belt. Things like that. If you don't feel comfortable doing something like that, why would you wear something like that to a public location to shoot if you're not going to feel comfortable? If you're not going to feel comfortable, why would you continue to book cheesecake photo shoots? You should just be doing everything but that. You know, if you're not happy and comfortable and confident with certain poses, and facial expressions, stop doing those things. If you're not happy with the results of your images because you were rushed that day, stop doing those things. Try to retain as much information. Try to give yourself ample time to get ready. And if someone's offering you something like an artist development class to help you succeed at your goals, and these are free classes, don't hesitate to take them. Don't hesitate to do 
professional um, things if you want to become a professional, like wardrobe testing. So communication, research, preparation, being realistic and organized, you guys. So I'm going to end this now. Thanks for listening. This has been Pen Up Talk with host Diana Prince. Ciao.